Let's get into our study tonight. We're going to pick it up tonight at the end of chapter 39 and move into chapter 40 tonight. So I want to begin in chapter 39, verse 20, where after uh, Joseph rejects Potiphar's wife's advances, we are doing a series on Joseph on Wednesday night, uh, that Potiphar ended up throwing Joseph in prison, and that's where Joseph is at. And last week we talked a lot about the persistent faith that Joseph had in God and the persistent faith that God wants to build into our lives. Tonight, if there's sort of a a theme, uh, it would be the providence of God. And we're going to talk about what does that really mean, the providence of God in our lives. But I first want us to to be reminded of this. Remember, chapter 39 is all about the Lord is with Joseph. And he's with Joseph uh, in the palace, and he's with Joseph in prison. The Lord is with us in times of feasting. He's also with us in times of fasting. The Lord is always with us. And the concept here is, He is beside us to help us. Now, obviously, He's not going to force that help on us, but even the New Testament teaches that I will not fear what man will do to me. The Lord is my helper. And then God goes on to say, I will never leave you nor forsake or abandon you. So, what is really solidified and reinforced in Genesis 39 is that the Lord is with us. And God wants to, us to know and believe that He is with us every day, every step of our day, and that He is beside us to help us. So now we come to the fact that You know, Joseph has experienced all these different things in his life, from being blessed by having revelation from God, and yet being hated by his brothers, being sold as a slave to the Egyptians, uh, ending up, though, when he is in Egypt, being sold to a man named Potiphar, who makes him manager of his whole entire household. And this is no mere Egyptian. This Potiphar is basically the head of of Pharaoh's secret service detachment. And so it's a high-ranking official in the Egyptian government. And Joseph does very well and prospers. And because he's prospering, the household of Potiphar is prospering, except that Potiphar's wife begins to have a desire for Joseph and lays her eyes upon him. And obviously, as we've talked about, he rejects her advances. He flees from temptation he will not sin against God nor against his, his you know, uh, other people. He knows the harm, the injury, and the hurt that will happen because of that. And yet, because of that, he is now unjustly thrown into prison. And yet we learn at the end of chapter 39, once again in verse 21, that the Lord is with Joseph, even there. And notice the next phrase. And the Lord showed him kindness. The word can also be translated goodness. And it just, it again begins to, I think, build for us an accurate, proper view of who God is. And what I mean by that is many times 
why even followers of God get disillusioned with God and get angry with God and mad at God and bitter against God is because we don't really know God. If we really knew God, we wouldn't get to that place. And part of it is because we develop a theology, if you will, or concept of God that is outside the Bible. And that's why we need to get into the Bible and develop our view of God and our concept of God strictly from what the Word of God reveals about God. And the reason I bring that up at this point is because there would be many people that would say, well, if God was such a good God and kind God, He would have prevented Joseph from having those accusations uh, unjustly hurled at him in the first place. And He would have prevented Joseph from going to the prison in the first place. How can you say God showed him kindness? Because we have a misunderstanding of what it means to be kind. And we have a misunderstanding of who God is and what God's purpose is for our lives. God did have a plan for Joseph, and God was going to use Joseph in a great way, but God was using all the adversity that Joseph went through, just like he does in our lives, to refine us, to purify us, to grow us, to increase us, to mature us, as we even talked about from Sunday's message in the book of Hebrews. So we see how God showed kindness specifically in this case. Notice the very next verse. It says, that he found favor in the eyes of the warden of the prison, or the, the, the chief overseer of the prison, and was given, if you will, great privilege and position, even within now this unfortunate circumstance that he finds himself in. And that's how God is showing his goodness and his kindness, which reminds us that when you and I fall into adversity, and God allows it. It's not because God isn't good or that somehow God's kindness has been cut off. What God wants us to see and realize is that even in times of adversity, God is going to offer us, as he did to Joseph, an opportunity. Will we take that opportunity when God offers us his goodness even in adverse circumstances? And that opportunity is, to, like Joseph, you can continue to grow and, and have an opportunity to, to show what you know, you've learned in Potiphar's household, now here. And, and you're going to have another opportunity to serve and to be stretched. And, all of you, and, and you're going to have an opportunity to bless others. So again, what God tries to show us is we so focus on circumstances and whether they're positive or negative, and when they're negative, many Christians, because again, we don't have that, that faith or even that lack of, of having a proper concept of God, we tank when we go into adversity. And what Joseph shows us and what the Bible shows us is we can actually even thrive in adverse circumstances because first of all, God hasn't abandoned us in our adversity. God is with us. And he's there to help us. And God will offer to us, as he did to Joseph, his kindness and goodness in that even in those circumstances that may be, you know, challenging and, and adverse in some way to us, like Joseph would have been in finding himself in prison, that even within those circumstances, God will give us opportunity to prove ourselves, to grow, to mature, to, to all of these things. And that's what he did here, you see. 
In a sense, Joseph was now not just another prisoner. Now Joseph is going to be just like in Potiphar's household where Potiphar saw that this young man was very trustworthy and reliable and dependable. So Potiphar put him in charge of all his household. Guess what? Same thing now is true in the prison. The warden of the prison sees in Joseph what Potiphar saw in Joseph. Notice verse 22. The warden put all the prisoners under Joseph's care. Every last one of them. He was in charge of whatever they were doing. And the warden didn't even concern himself, just like Potiphar. Didn't even think about it. When he delegated these responsibilities to Joseph, he so trusted Joseph that he was able to just let it go. And again, what a blessing that is when we have people in our lives that we can do that with. And what a blessing we are to others when we prove ourselves so dependable, reliable, and trustworthy that other people can trust us so much that they can delegate things to us and entrust us with things and not even give it a second thought. That's what happened in Joseph's life. And so the Bible says the warden did not concern himself with anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him. And even though the warden did not have a relationship with the God of Joseph, the warden recognized that there was something different about Joseph, if you will. And whatever the Bible says Joseph was doing, the Lord was making successful or profitable. God, again, was blessing Joseph, even in prison, while he was there. Even though it was unjust and he should have never been there in the first place, God was showing him Joseph Your ability to thrive spiritually, your ability to serve me, your ability to grow and increase really has nothing to do with your circumstances. Because whether they are good or bad, I can use them. And if you just trust me, no matter what your circumstances are, you can profit and benefit from any situation and circumstance you find yourself in. And again, this is what God wants to teach us through the life of Joseph. Instead of looking at the negative circumstances that happen to us as, oh my goodness, God must be against me, that we need to start looking at them as what great opportunities God may be giving me to grow, to thrive, uh, to prove myself, to refine my gifts and talents and abilities, and to serve others even in those situations. And that's exactly what was happening here. And throughout it all, God's hand was in it all. We're going to see this more in chapter 40. So the Bible says in chapter 40, verse 1, after these things happened, the cupbearer to the king of Egypt and the royal baker uh, had offended their master, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was enraged with his two officials, the cupbearer and the baker, so he imprisoned them in the house of the captain of the guard. Notice, in the same facility, in the same place or location where Joseph was confined. Was this a coincidence? Was this an accident? No. This is what we see and we describe as the providential hand of God. God was in control. God was never out of control. And even though God, in His sovereignty, allows us and others a free will, God still shows us that even in allowing us a free will, 
He can declare His will and His word, and He will bring it about. He will accomplish it. Part of what the providence of God speaks to us about is that God, far from being detached and disengaged from His creation, is very much engaged in, cares for, is concerned about all that He's created. God is never a God that's distant. God is always near and He's always taking care of things, even if it's not evident. Even in the Bible. When, when books of the Bible don't even mention God, what the Bible wants to tell us is even though the name of God might not be there and the author of the book or the passage or the chapter might not say, now God brought this about, that what God wants us to see is that God is working behind the scenes in each and every situation throughout the Bible. And that He wants us to take from that that He's working in our lives just the same. We may not actually see it, but, and we, you know, God might not declare, now Jeff, this is what I'm doing, but we have to get to a place like Joseph where we trust that the providential hand of God is at work and that God is ruling in his creation. God is in control and that to believe in the providence of God does not eliminate the free will of man. When people ask me, and, and this is a question I get a lot, are, are you a Calvinist or an Arminian? I tell them I'm neither. <laughs> because I believe in the sovereignty of God, in the providence of God, that, that whatever God has decreed, whatever He said is going to happen, is going to happen. And yet in that, He can still allow the free will of man. Now, this is a very lame illustration, but this is one that if you've been around the Oasis for several years, you've heard me use before, but I'm going to bring it into play here because maybe not all of you have heard it and it's something good to be reminded. And it's a way for me to try to wrap my mind around this as well. I use a cruise ship, okay? I've never been on a cruise, but I use a cruise ship, okay? Um, and on that cruise ship, that cruise ship has a... a port where it's going to leave from and it's going to have a port where it ends up at, right? Now, on that ship, obviously, all these people are on it and it's a big ship and there's all kinds of activities that can be done on that ship and, and all kinds of different choices and decisions that people can make while they're on that ship. And yet, the port of where it leaves and the port to where it ends up is determined. And all this activity on that ship doesn't affect the final place that that ship ends up. That's the way I think of meshing the sovereignty of God with the free will of man. You see, when you and I choose Jesus Christ as our Savior and we choose to follow Him, the Bible basically tells us, here's where that ship that now we are on is going to end up. And now we no longer have a choice. God has already predetermined where we end up. Okay? But on that ship, there's all these Christians. And Christians can make bad choices and good choices and, and do this or that. And, and God can give us that kind of a, of a free will. But the bottom line is, His plan and purpose is still going to be done. And they're not contradictory. You see. And that's what we see in Joseph. 
God was allowing his brothers to make decisions and even Joseph to make decisions and Potiphar's wife and Potiphar and all these things. But God had given a revelation to Joseph when he was 17 years old about a plan that God had for his life. And all these different things that, that, uh, that people chose to do that would affect Joseph's life was not ultimately going to affect where Joseph ended up. Because God was going to make sure that Joseph got to that position. Because God had a plan. See, all the things that, that people do, do not thwart the plan and purposes of God. If God has decreed something, if he said something is going to be done, then it's going to be fulfilled exactly as he said. That's the comfort that we can take out of the surety that we have of God's word and of God being in control and that the, the, the world is not out of control as it may seem to be, but that God is moving this world and everything towards what he has already declared in his word is going to happen. Yes, he allows human beings to have free will, but ultimately things are going to end up exactly the way the book of Revelation and other prophetic books say things are going to end up. And there's not a thing that you and I or anyone else can do to stop it, you see. One day, for instance, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No human being is going to be able to stop that from happening. God has declared it and decreed it and it will happen. So we see, it was no accident that the baker and the butler was going to go to the same prison. God was going to use them to get Joseph to where God wanted Joseph to get to. And what Joseph had to do, just like we have to do, is to take the things that happened to us and, and be who we need to be in the moment and trust God in that God's got a plan and I've just got to trust my shepherd to lead me and keep following him through each and every turn of life. And that's what Joseph did through his persistent faith. So you'll notice the captain of the guard, verse 4, appointed Joseph to be their attendant and to be their servant and to serve them. And once again, we see again, Joseph's heart. He was always serving because he was learning. God was going to make him a great leader, but Joseph was learning a valuable lesson that all of us need to learn as well. And that is that in the Bible and even through the life of Christ, leadership equals servantship. That's what leadership is. Leadership is servantship. Biblical leaders, Christ-like leaders, Leaders that God is looking for are leaders who are willing to serve. And that was Joseph. Everywhere he went, whether it was Potiphar's household, he served. In the prison, he was serving. And he was learning to be a leader through being a servant. Now the Bible says, as time went on, both of them had this dream while they were in prison. And notice in verse 6, Joseph came to them one morning and saw that they were looking depressed. Now, I, I want to stop here because I think this is important. Notice something about Joseph here. All the stuff that Joseph has been through would pretty much reduce a normal human being, even a follower of God, 
to being pretty dejected, depressed, and discouraged by this point. God, I, I've, I've got your revelation. I'm excited about the things that you have revealed to me. I want to share them with my family, but my family hates me for it. In fact, my family hates me for it so much they sold me as a slave into Egypt. And now I've been separated from my family. And then I get there, God, and so I'm, I'm bought by this guy named Potiphar. And I, I start to get a little encouraged because he's a pretty important person. So I faithfully serve him. And what ends up happening? His wife falsely accused me of raping her. And because of that, I've done nothing wrong. Now I'm in prison. And you know, when you and I start to experience that kind of adversity in our life, we begin to think God's against us. You know, somehow God is punishing me for something or whatever. And we can pretty much get self-absorbed. And we can start to get to a place where we don't look at anyone else. We don't think about anyone else. We don't care about anyone else. It's all about me, God, because I've gotten a raw deal so far. And, and you know, you need to make this right. And others need to make this right. And I've got to start thinking of myself and putting myself first. Well, notice something here. You never see in the whole uh, story of Joseph where he ever does that. No matter what happened to him, it was always others first. Because when he was there to serve them, he actually took notice that these two guys were dejected, were sad, were depressed. Now, you think about it. That meant that there was a sensitivity to Joseph, that he even, he even took the time to go to look at them and saw that there was, their countenance was different than it was in, in days previous. And there was a sensitivity to others that Joseph had. And this is the kind, again, of, of Christ-like character and, and the kind of, of character that God wants to build into our lives. To where even when we're going through adversity in our lives, it's not about us, but it's about looking out to others who we may be able to minister and encourage and help instead of it always being about us, we care for others. And that was Joseph, you see. Joseph didn't say, well, I'm, I'm the one here in prison unjustly. Somebody needs to start paying attention to me. No, it says when he came into the morning, he saw. And, and the word saw there means more than just to physically see with his eyeballs. It means to perceive, to discern that there was a problem there. That was, that was some insight that, that he had through, through walking with God and, and letting God develop that kind of character in him. So he asked them in verse 7, you know, why are you looking so sad? And they said, well, we both had dreams, but we don't have anybody to interpret them. We don't have anybody to solve them. We don't have the answer within ourselves. And Joseph, I love his thing, his response. He says, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me. And he's declaring to these people, you know, these Egyptians, that he believes in God and that he believes that the God that he knows and the God that he serves can solve their, their dreams, if you will, can solve their problem, can be the answer to them. So Joseph here is now having an opportunity to witness while he's in prison because he's faithful to God. Doesn't that remind you of Paul and Silas in the book of Acts and other people in the New Testament who even when they were in prison unjustly, 
They recognized it, that God had a plan and purpose for their lives and that they, if they were faithful to God, they could be a witness. And so Paul and Silas are there in the book of Acts and what's the Bible say? They're singing and they're praising God while they're in prison. And I'm sure all the other prisoners are like, these guys are nuts. How can you be so joyful and singing and praising your God? You're in prison. Don't you realize your circumstances are against you? Well, see, our circumstances are never against us if we're trusting God. Because we believe that in all circumstances, just like in Joseph's life, God can offer us opportunities to use those circumstances to glorify Him, to grow ourselves, to bless others, to serve others in so many ways. But in order for us to have that kind of outlook, one of the things that we need to do is to develop that selflessness and get rid of of that selfishness of always thinking of ourselves rather than thinking of how we can bring glory to God and how we can can serve others. And two, I I wanted to point this out. The word that Joseph uses here for God in verse uh, 8 is the word Elohim. And that name for God means the mighty God, the, the strong God, if you will. And so he's reminding them about the great, mighty, and strong God that he knows and that he serves. So the chief cupbearer, beginning in verse 9, relates his dream to Joseph, and Joseph begins to reveal then back to him in verse 12 what his dream means. And again, how could Joseph do this? Because God gave him the ability. God gave him the wisdom. God gave him the insight to be able to do what Joseph could not do on his own. And again, this is what God wants us to see. That if we will follow God and trust Him, we will be able to do in our lives what we could never do on our own without God or apart from God but what we can do with God. And God wants to show us all the amazing things that we can do with a great and mighty God who is beside us to help us. And so he relates the dream to the cupbearer. He basically says then in verse 14, listen, when you get out of here, because the interpretation is in three days, you're going to be restored to your position and you're going to get out of here. So in verse 14 of chapter 40, notice something very important. Joseph says, hey, will you remember me? Will you make mention of me when you get back to Pharaoh so that I can get out of here? Because basically he says in verse 15, I was stolen away from my land. I was kidnapped and I shouldn't even be here because I've done nothing wrong. Now, I, I want to stop here for a moment because this is another important principle here. Joseph believed, obviously, in God being in control. But that didn't mean that Joseph just sat back and did nothing that he could do and just said, okay, God, you you do it all and I'll just sit back and watch you do everything. Joseph realized that, again, in God's plan and purpose for all of our lives, including everything in creation... He wants to partner with us. He wants us to participate with him in accomplishing his will in our lives. So Joseph did what he could do. You see, he didn't just say, well, if God wants me out of prison, he'll get me out of here somehow. No, when he had an opportunity to talk to somebody who might be able to get him out, he made sure he had that conversation. So again, it reminds us that 
that you and I have the responsibility in each and every situation to do what we can do in that situation. And then to trust God for what we can't do. To trust God for what is out of our control. And we always need to remember that. We can't be so passive that in each and every situation of life, we just say, well, if God wants this done or that done, He'll just do it. And we just sit back and think, you know, no, God's going to say, Jeff, you have to participate in this. You, you have to have some skin in the game. You have to be willing to do your part. And this is part of where Christians even today have a hard time because they don't want to participate. They just want to sit back and think God's just going to drag them down the road of life and, and, and get them to where, you know, uh, a, a good place. And, and God says, no, 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 I want you to go there, but, but you and I are going to have to go there together and, and you're going to have to show some discipline and you're going to have to show diligence and you're going to have to put forth effort and you're going to have to fully apply yourself and you're going to have to take advantage of the opportunities when I give them to you and do what you can do. And this is exactly what Joseph did here. Even while he was in prison, he was trusting God, but he was also going to take the opportunity when it came up for him to do what he could do and have a conversation. So then in verse 16, I love this, the chief baker, when he saw that the interpretation of the first team, uh, dream uh, that Joseph gave was so favorable, it was such a good outcome, he said, oh, oh, can you interpret mine too? But guess what? If you know the story, you know that the dream of the uh, baker uh, was not as good as the dream of the cupbearer. In fact, it was just the opposite. When Joseph heard his dream, he basically, in response, said, well, here's the, here's the deal. In three days, Pharaoh's going to cut off your head and impale you on a stick. Now, here's the point, I think, for us. When God reveals things in his word, there, there are times where his word, and, and based even upon the individual that we're talking to, can be a source of great comfort and encouragement and refreshment. Just like God's revelation uh, would have been through Joseph to the cupbearer. But there's times where God's message and God's revelation is not a message that makes one feel all ooey-gooey. But one that makes one feel convicted, challenged, or even maybe a, a, a prophetic revelation of judgment to come. And it's not going to make someone feel all good. What God asks of us is the same thing He asks of Joseph. That whether the message is one that's positive or one that's negative, you and I, like Joseph, need to be faithful to deliver God's message just as He gave it to us. Yeah, it's much more fun, if you will, to always deliver the good message. Oh, hey, I can give you some good news. But there's times where it's not all good, and it's not all fluff, and it's not all fun. Sometimes it's serious stuff, and sometimes it is about judgment, and sometimes it is about, you know, negative things. And we've got to be willing, like Joseph, not to just tell people what they want to hear, but we need to be willing to tell people what they need to hear. I mean, I struggle with this. Because there are messages that God gives me, even for you folks, and, and I truly love you. And, and there's times where it's much easier for me to say, 
uh, preach a message or teach on a passage of scripture that is uplifting and encouraging and, and, you know, you know, makes us all feel good. But there's times where God leads me to passages that, yeah, not so good. But like you, I have to be faithful to deliver them whether it makes us all feel good or not, because it's a message from God and he wants us to hear it. And so that's what we can take from this, because that was certainly true of Joseph. He basically says in verse 19 to the baker, in three more days, Pharaoh will decapitate you and impale you on a pole. Then the birds will eat your flesh from you. Wow! And guess what? On the third day, verse 20, Pharaoh basically lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker he lifted off in the middle of his servants. He restored the cupbearer just as Joseph had predicted and he impaled and decapitated the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted because it was the revelation of God, it was the word of God and it was going to happen just as God said. But notice, the chief cupbearer, verse 23, did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Here again, you can only imagine, after all that Joseph has went through, he probably feels like, now, finally, finally, thank you God for sending the ba- baker and the butler here and, and revealing to them these dreams, because now through this, I, I finally see my way out of here. Baker, will you remember? Yeah, I'll remember you. And he forgets him. And then notice chapter 41, the first verse. Two more years Joseph is in prison. Two more years. What can we learn from this? Well, one, people are going to disappoint us. And if we put our trust in people, we're going to be disappointed. And that's why God tells us, don't put your trust in people. Don't even put your trust, God says in the book of Psalms, in princes. Put your trust in me. And this was another time where Joseph had to realize, God, I believe you've got this. I believe that if you would have wanted me out of prison now, he would have remembered me. And so there's got to be a reason, God, a good reason, why I'm going to be here for two more years. Can I tell you, it's so ironic, I guess, again, and providential that, that I'm going through this and studying this and God's teaching me things through this, even as we're going through this as a church with this land thing. Because the same thing is true. I feel like this is being so long and it's being so drug out. And it's taking so long. And I keep saying, God, you know, why is this taking so long? And, and it's like God is just clearly saying to me, trust my timing. Trust my timing. This will happen. The broker will get a lender. And this land deal will close in my perfect timing. I know it's taking longer than you want it to, but trust my timing. And can I, we all know, we, we have to deal with that as Christians. 
There are times in our life where just like Joseph, we're like, really God? Really? I gotta wait even longer for this? Or for this to be worked out? Or for this to happen? Yeah, there's times where God says to us, I want you to trust me. You just need to wait a little longer. Hang in there a little longer. And for Joseph, it was two more years. And yet, two years later, God was going to reveal to Pharaoh a dream. And it was going to be through that dream that again, in the providential hand of God, God was going to take Joseph out of that prison at just the right time and elevate Joseph to be second in power only to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. Because God had a plan for Joseph and that plan was not going to be thwarted. God was going to make sure that as long as Joseph kept following him and trusting him, Joseph was going to get to where God had revealed to Joseph he would get to. God wants us to trust him like that as well. Life is going to be full of ups and downs and twists and turns. Life is going to be filled with times of prosperity and times of adversity. But in each and every moment, not only does God want us to trust him, but God wants us to see his providential hand in the circumstances of our life. And he wants us to realize that even in those times where the circumstances are negative and seem to be against us and where we are experiencing affliction and adversity, that God is there and that God is offering us an opportunity, an opportunity to trust him, an opportunity to glorify him, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to be refined and purified, an opportunity to witness and bless others in each and every situation that we find ourselves in. And this is what the life of Joseph is teaching us. I'll leave you with this. When God wants to do a great work, in your life or in the life of a corporate body of believers like a church, God takes great amounts of time for preparation. That's another thing that the life of Joseph teaches us as Christians. See, God's not in a hurry like we are. If God wanted to use Joseph in such a great way and give him such a great privilege and position and power... God was going to take all the time he needed to make sure that Joseph was absolutely equipped, fit, and prepared when that moment came. And God does the same thing in our lives. God wants to use you in greater and greater ways. And God wants to use us as a church in great, significant ways. But what God is going to do is take us through A lot of preparation. Because he wants us to be so equipped, so fit, so ready, so strong, that when that opportunity presents itself, when God finally takes us out there and puts us where he wants us to be, he wants to make sure that we are absolutely 
ready in every way, shape, or form. So, like Joseph, don't be discouraged during the days and times and months and years of preparation. Because what I have learned, even in 53 years, most of life with God is preparation. Most of life is God working in us to prepare us for what He has planned next. And can I say to you that the encouragement that God is giving me is God has some wonderful, special things planned for us even as a local church. Because that's why God is taking His time and is going to take His time over, especially this next year, to prepare this group of people. Because God has something very special and significant for us to be a part of. And in order to give us that kind of an opportunity, God is going to take His time to prepare us for it. And God does that not only with us as a group, but He wants to do that with you individually. Don't despise the days of preparation. They are absolutely worth it. And God is working all the time. Trust Him every step of the way. He's with you. And He only has your best interest and highest good at heart all the time. Let's pray. God, thank you for showing us through the life of this young man just how much preparation and even patience Joseph needed in his life. How much faith Joseph needed to be at a place, God, where he was equipped, where he was fit, where he was ready to assume the great privileged position that you were going to grant him and bestow upon him one day. And God, help us to see that in the days where we are in the trenches and, and maybe even experiencing adversity and, and challenges and obstacles, God, help us to turn to you and to trust you. Help us to continue to follow you. And help us, God, even in those times, not to make it about us, but to be like Joseph and continue to have that sensitive, selfless spirit that looks out to others who may be in need, who may need encouraged, who may need lifted up and comforted and consoled, who may be looking for an answer, God, that only is found in you, Help us, Lord, in each and every twist and turn of life to be available and to make ourselves available to you, not just when things are going good for us, but in, in all times, God. Help us to just say, God, here I am. Use me however you see fit. God, encourage us as only you can do. And God, just refresh and reinvigorate maybe someone here tonight who's been going through preparation for quite a while. Going through a, a training period in their life and it seems like it's just never ending. And God, help them to, to be encouraged to hang in there just a little bit longer. To trust you just a little bit further. 
that God, you are building into them that that supernatural stamina and staying power to run that marathon and to hang in there and not give up, not give in, and not quit. So God, may we look to you tonight. May we cling to you tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, again, God bless you. Thanks for being here tonight. We'll see you on Sunday.